Canes fans, good morning. All of you waking up this Saturday and anyone who's going to be watching on replay, of course, the Canes got an awesome 38-3 season opening win Miami. This was just a clean victory all around. Was it perfect? No, it wasn't. But a lot of really, really good things to take from this one. D-Money, of course, will be joining me in just a minute here. He'll be on any moment now. But just want to get you guys in here. Start dropping those questions. Man, it was just nice to see them control that line of scrimmage like you knew they were capable of. It's what D-Money and I and anyone else who follows this team closely has been talking about all season long. The transformation at the... uh at the line of scrimmage and look we're, we already have have a comment here from arabian night and i want you guys to keep dropping these questions in here arabian night already talking about the tempo offensively and it's funny because i had an nfl scout call me before the game we we're talking about some guys on the team their nfl prospects and, and things of that nature and what he told me is if i'm miami I don't show much tempo in this game. Miami Hurricanes, right? It's not that the offense is going to look completely different. Everyone always talks about, well, you don't want to show too much in the first game. Obviously, you have AM next week. I was of the thinking that you you don't really have anything to hold back. You got to go out there and beat a team like Miami of Ohio uh, like yesterday. But 100%, I think they will incorporate more tempo as the season goes on. But I think that's a wrinkle that they'll show next week, right? You didn't show it as much um, yesterday, but for sure, this is going to be a, although it's Shannon Dawson's air raid, you already heard Mario talk about it in the post-game press conference yesterday. Shannon Dawson has been a part of many different sorts of offenses. Obviously, Mario has his idea of how, um, you know, the game should be played. And if you watch a lot of what was going on at Oregon, it wasn't Justin Herbert slinging it around for four or five touchdowns a game. He did have some games where he put up big numbers, but they were winning games at the line of scrimmage with the run game, with their power spread. And I think ultimately that's what you're going to see, um, you know, from this offense is a nice mesh of that. When you talk about champ 100 or has it controlling tempo is the best way. I think that was an issue a lot last year where you not only just the tempo, right, but these quick three and out drives, giving the ball right back to a defense that did not have much depth already. And man, you really have to like what you saw, not only from the defensive line, but the linebacker room flying around, filling those gaps. It was one of those things where, again, year after year, Miami plays these teams that you know they should definitely be beating and beating handily. But let me get this light on here, get better lighting. I don't know if it helps or if it makes it worse, but that was that was something that last night Miami Ohio was not just moving the ball at will up and down the field. So to me, major positive. Arabian Knight asking about Colby Young. Is he okay or if he's injured? Obviously, he came out for a bit. He was questionable return, came back in the game. Um, I'm hearing he's, you know, nothing serious, right? We'll see how this week progresses for him, but I don't think it should be too much of a uh, 
of an issue moving forward. Chalupe71, appreciate the reminder there. Anyone who's on this live stream right now, hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button if you're not already subscribed. D-Money should be on here any minute now. And we already have some questions here about tight ends and Skinner, which I've seen on the board before. And I mentioned it, if you haven't been listening, I don't know if Skinner's a guy that the staff trusts fully right now. And as D-Money's noted, it's not necessarily they don't trust him. But the way they're playing, the smash mouth style of football they're playing, McCormick, right, is a better fit for what they're trying to do at the tight end spot. Um, D-Money is ready to join me now, and we'll get into the nitty-gritty with him. D, good morning. What's up, everybody? How you feeling? Well, I'm feeling great, and I and we already got some good action in here. 85 viewers already in the first five minutes, and – Bunch of questions here, um, and I'll kind of just reiterate. All right, wait, real quick, Bill. How are you eating at the Titanic? Oh, it was great, man. And we're going to have – listen, I have, a, I have an announcement to make moving forward, right? So the special moving forward is going to be $10 for 10 wings, which you can't get anywhere these days if you eat chicken wings. Um, I know you're not much of a, a meat eater these days, D-Money, but – the chicken wing prices are pretty ridiculous all over. So during the Canes games at Titanic Boom Forward, it's going to be $10 for 10 wings and $10 for 10 peel and eat shrimp, if, if anyone's into that uh, sort of thing. So Titanic's the place to be, man. He's upgraded the TV viewing, put a huge TV in the middle of the bar. So it was awesome last night. Had the, the audio running throughout the place. So it was great to see Canes fans out there. And we're going to just keep keep doing it bigger and better moving forward. That's going to be the spot all season long. Titanic right there across from Mark Light, pretty much on campus. So excited to uh, see you Canes fans out there the rest of the year. But, yeah, D, pretty clean win last night. Nice to have a win against a team that you know you should beat handily and not really have to stress about much. It wasn't the run-and-gun, high-flying, downfield passing attack that some people are hoping for. But as you and I have noted all season, off-season long, and anyone else who covers this team, that offensive line and that run game is going to be a problem for any team that Miami faces this season. No question. Look, they doubled the, they doubled the spread, right? It was a spread 16, and they won by 36 or 35. Yeah. yeah. So they doubled the spread. No one got hurt. I mean, what's better than that? Um, you know, by the way, I apologize if anybody hears some noise. I got my wife at Pilates right now. Um, I got my brother-in-law here, my mother-in-law. So there's a, it's like the Cuban Brady bunch out here, a bunch of people running around. So apologize for the noise in advance, but yeah, man, um, beautiful win. As far as the running gun, you know, I, I was there in person and these corners were playing about two miles off the receivers. So, you know, that's probably why you saw a little bit of that dink and dunk. Honestly, I think it kind of played on our favor because Van Dyke, you know, now that everybody's – it's all out now. You saw his index finger was taped up. He wasn't driving the ball like he's capable of. Not his fault, obviously. Um, so it worked in our favor. He was efficient doing his thing. Aside from the one bad decision on that play, he tried to at least kind of float in there to uh, Jacoby George. He was on point. Um Offense in general, efficiency. I'm going to pull up the numbers right here. You're talking about 243 yards passing, 20 for 25. You know, so that efficiency was there. Running game, 250 yards, 6.9 per. 
I mean, unbelievable numbers. And really, the, the longest run was 37 yards. So it's not like there was like a 90-yard run pumping up the average. It was steady, boom, 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 chunks. Um, and then defensively, I mean, they were just unbelievable. Limited Miami, Ohio, 51 yards, 2 yards per carry, 6.8 yards per pass, um, 13 for 24, 164 yards. So how many times have we seen these MAC teams that are good, you know, they're, they're good at what they do, just dink and dunk us and have guys wide open and, and really make us look bad? You know, so for that not to happen is not a given. It's not like, oh, it's Miami, Ohio. We've seen this game before. I, I mean, we saw Middle Tennessee State last year in that same building go torching NFL corners on our squad. Um, so it's not a, it's not something you take for granted to just completely demolish a team like that defensively. Um, so, you know. I think I think a lot of it has to do, too, with having linebackers who can run and and not – even if you get beat on the underneath stuff, they're there and they're, they're right in front of it, right? They're not going to hopefully throughout the course of the season get beat too badly where these five to seven yard dink downs turn into 15 to 20 to 30 yard plays downfield. Um, so I think that's a big thing. D, I wanted to get to something right that we had a comment about it right off the bat. I kind of got into a little bit talking about the tempo offensively, right? It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't, Again, the high-flying, high-tempo offense that you might assume in a Shannon Dawson's, uh, Dawson offense. I told you I, I was talking to a scout before the game yesterday, and what he told me was he didn't think Miami should show much tempo in this game because co- conceptually, you gotta you gotta show your concepts, you gotta get these guys game ready for A and M. But that could be a wrinkle moving forward against an A and M. Yeah, and you want to be able to change your tempo. You know, tempo by itself, yeah, it's good, except when you're getting three and outs and you're giving the ball right back and your defense is getting tired. So there's a – tempo's not just everybody needs tempo. Um, I think the tempo of this particular game was what it needed to be. They wanted to lean on these guys, use their size. You saw that. They, they, the game plan was executed to perfection. Now it's a different game plan next week, and we'll have plenty of time to talk about AM. and um, But, yeah, it's like this is not the Rhett Lashley offense. For you know, and Red Lashley, look, I'm saying that negative or positive. Red Lashley downfield, there were guys running butt naked, wide open. Mallory, you know, how many plays did we see where guys were just wide open on some of those like fake draws where he drops, you know, quarterback fakes and then comes back and there's someone just schemed open. Um, but there's going to be things that are similar, things that are different. One thing that I think you saw that's very different, you saw the Bulls on parade, right? So those offensive linemen were pulling, they were getting after it. Um, Cam McCormick, you know, we can go position by position or whatever, however you want to organize it. But, you know, there were times where you saw multiple times a Jalen Rivers downfield, uh, a Cam McCormick lead blocking, and the Nes Cooper pulling on that Mark Fletcher touchdown. That's stuff you didn't necessarily see with our last good offense with um, with uh, with Lashley. So the way I kind of described it is if you liked Oregon's run game, this is the closest you will see to Oregon's run game from a size of offensive line standpoint and then schematically the stuff they do. Well, and and – Look, we'll, we'll just start with the quarterback spot, right? Obviously, Tyler Van Dyke, you got into a little bit. Wasn't necessarily driving the ball. The, the finger probably had something <clears throat> to do with that. I think, obviously, it's something that's just going to get better day by day and, and shouldn't be much of a concern uh, moving forward. But Emery Williams comes in late, right? And you, I know you'll get more of the TVD now, but Emery Williams, you mentioned he would probably be the backup uh, in, this, in this offense for TVD. I expect we'll see Jakari at some point this season still, but Emory Williams looked uh, kind of picked up where he left off from, from fall camp. 
Yeah, he did. By the way, shout out to Whitney uh, Platzer O'Regan on the comments. Uh, I think that's our first uh, female comment on this stream. You know, you've been you've been hurting the female demographic there, Pete, since we brought you back on. But I'm trying to do my best to to bring <laughs> it back. You know, uh, but no, nah, um, yeah, man, Emery looked awesome. Uh, we compared him to Kaya on the pod. Um, I think you saw the vision for him even in that small drive, which is they had the first team O line in there. Right. So that was notable. That was notable. It wasn't the backups. It was the, for the most part, it was the first team. I think at the end, Samson came in as, and, uh, and, and Logan came in by the time Cheney scored. But if you look at the beginning of that drive, it was the starters. And I think what they wanted to see was, all right, look, the vision with him, we know he's not the most mobile guy, similar to Kai in that respect. But if you put him behind an elite offensive line and he's got time to scan the field, he's got great vision, great command of the offense, even as a true freshman, you saw his, his zip. I think that surprised some people in uh, the past of Jacoby George. I was there in person. I heard like some kind of woes seeing the zip out of his hand into Jacoby George. Um, and you saw the, just the command and the accuracy. So if you could protect his weaknesses with that offensive line and then allow him to sit back and spread the ball, you might have something there. And I'll tell you, people inside – we talked about it on the last pod. If you heard the the pre, the last preseason pod went through the depth chart, we said, you know, Furman reported that Jakari was the backup. That's false. Emery is the backup, as you saw in this offense. Jakari still has his role with his with his the different things he can do. But with respect to Emery, you saw the vision, and I think people in the building believe this guy is not just a good find. They think he's a franchise-type quarterback. Now, is that going to be the case? That's why they play the games. You got to see how he does against a great pass rush. But the size is there. The arm was the most surprising thing. To me, watching him in spring and camp and uh, and the IQ, the intangible stuff, really, really, really good on him. He, 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 You see the confidence. People who were at the spring game saw it. Now they've seen it at this game, and they, they see the same thing. Everybody time Emory Williams goes out of the field, Pete, you said it the, in, in the scrimmage that you went to. Mm-hmm. The command stands out to people. Definitely. I mean, look, that's obviously going to be a, a storyline moving forward because – Whenever Emery does get opportunities throughout the year, whether it's at the end of the game or, on, you know, unfortunately, if, if TVD does have to miss miss some plays here or there, this is going to be a very, very interesting thing to track moving forward because it's going to be a battle next year for sure for, for that spot. But long way to go until that happens. Running back spot. Listen, the people keep trying to uh, replace Henry Parrish, man, and he – I, I get it. He's not a four-three guy. He's not the biggest uh, running. He's not. A, he doesn't have the, the the body that Mark Fletcher does. And Mark Fletcher looked amazing. Let's not take anything away from him. We'll we'll get into him now. But Henry Parrish is is a model of consistency. The staff can trust him, right? I think last year a lot of people were like, "What?" You know, right off the bat, why is he starting over Jalen Knighton? We know Rooster's talent level was, but they just couldn't trust him. Henry Parrish once again. Last night, make you know, make some guys miss on that touchdown run. Had that big run before the half uh, to to get Miami into field goal position. But awesome performance from him. Yeah, you know, Pete. A lot of your old takes from guys you were hyping back, you know, back in the day. People they get bumped and uh, they look pretty good on some of these players. And I put Parrish in that category. You know, you've always been high on him. Obviously, you went to Columbus. Um, I've always been high on him, just because the thing I liked about him in high school. This guy is skinny. I mean, you've seen him. He's skinny. He'd get like 30 carries a game against real teams and put up numbers, you know, Workhorse. and not come out. You know, <laughs> not not come out. And obviously he had a good O-line, but 
but it wasn't like he was just, you know, just running through canyons. He was making guys miss. He was getting the extra yard. He is a real football player, and he's been productive every chance. He was productive at Ole Miss. He was third-team All-ACC last year behind a really suspect O-line. Now this year with a good O-line, you see the little razzle-dazzle, right, when he put that guy on skates, made him fall down. Um, he could pass protect for his size. He can catch. We play Texas A&M next week. Who was the best player for Miami last year against Texas A&M? I would say it was probably – uh, Henry Parrish, if you go back yep. and think about that game. And again, that was not with this offensive line. Very overmatched on the, on the, line, of the line of scrimmage there last year. Right, but you wouldn't have known it from the right. way they ran, especially Parrish. So I think that's a guy that, like you said, people were trying to trying to replace him, replace him, replace him. But the guy can play a ball, and he's he's what you want from, a to me, a character, kind of toughness standpoint, IQ, instinct standpoint. AJ Allen, another guy who, you know, we talked about Fletcher. Immediately you see the physicality he brings and his movement ability at that size, which we've also been talking about. But look, Fletcher's a guy that a lot of times the coach speak in these press conferences is, is tough to sift through. But a guy like Fletcher, they've Cristobal and Tim Harris have been talking about right off the bat as an impact player. So it's no surprise to see him do what he did yesterday. No doubt about it. And look, who are the best teams, the best programs of the last, I don't know, 10 years? I would say probably Alabama and Georgia, right? At least, you know, definitely Alabama and Georgia is dominant right now. What do their running backs look like every year? I would say they look just like Mark Fletcher because it is just when you have a big O-line and you've been playing good all game and then in fourth quarter you got to tackle that guy, he breaks. It's just hard. It wears on you. It's like Nick. It's like Nick Saban says they got weight classes in boxing and UFC for a reason. Fletcher's in that heavyweight class. He's two thirty, so I think he showed his speed, which is surprising. The main thing with Fletcher, the reason I, I've been talking about him since high school, since he was coming to Ohio State, is one of my favorite players. It's the IQ. The body's there, but the IQ is also there. The love of football's there. Thad Franklin had a lot of talent. Didn't take care of his body. Didn't have the full IQ. Fletcher's got all of that, and. There was one play, I'm trying to remember the exact play, but you go watch the replay. Watch Fletcher when they drop back to pass and he had to protect. He was stoning guys. And think about it. He's bigger than the linebackers that are blitzing. He's the same size pretty much as some of those defense ends. So it's not a physical mismatch, plus he knows what he's doing. He's only going to get better at that. But I think that's really why he's going to be a, a star, in my opinion, for Miami, is that he can run. But then on passing downs, the protection is not just adequate, it's elite potentially because of the size and the IQ. And then he also is a hand catcher, which we didn't see it last game, but he's capable of that as well. Let's move on to the wide receivers. Wait, hold up. We got to, we got to show love. We oh, gave your Columbus guys some, some, some respect. Yep. Don Chaney with a, a beautiful touchdown run. We talked about in camp. He has that ability to jump from gap to gap. I think that's what makes him special. Well, he has size and he has speed, but I think what really makes him different from the other backs maybe is his ability just to, Quick jump from gap to gap because of that. He's a state champion high jumper. He has that spring in his legs. So you saw that he's going one way. It's jammed up. Boom. Quick jump cut. Explode. And then the finish. Um, loved what he did on that play. And, you know, they all had nine, about nine carries. Let me look at the – I got the stats right here. So here's Yeah, nine and then eight running. for eight for Cheney. Right. So nine, 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 and eight for Cheney. Uh, you know, everybody scored a touchdown except for A.J. Allen. 
Uh, 10 yards of carry for Parrish, 8.4 for Fletcher, 5.2 for AJ, and then 4.8 for, for Don. So that's what you want, man. Uh, four, three running backs is good. Four is better. So really nice to see that finish, and that's good for his confidence as well. Well, it's not only you talked about Bama and Georgia and, and some of the top teams, right? It's not only what their running backs look like, but they keep a stable of four or five guys who there's not really much drop off from, from one guy to the next. There's going to be injuries at that position. It's just what it is because it, it's it's that position. But I think they're well suited to uh, to handle the load this year. So wide receiver D, a room that everyone's expected to get, you know, is expected to get much better. There's some guys they added to the room, but improvement from within, guys getting healthy like Xavier Restrepo, Colby Young. We've talked about it how many times on, on the show the last month, couple months, that he he looked like he had a different burst. I think if anyone was at the scrimmage, you saw that. Taking the screen what was at 40 yards uh, right off the bat there where he was separating from, from defenders with the ball. So that was great to see. And then – just not a sloppy, not a sloppy day for them. No, no drops. If I can remember correctly, it's just great, great to see that. I think Kevin Beard definitely gets a lot of credit for that. No question. And before we go in the receivers, I've seen a lot of comments about TVD negative. And look, my only negative comment on TVD, aside from the pick, which was a bad decision, is that I worry about that finger a little bit because he wasn't driving the ball. Texas A&M is going to challenge him. But if, if you were at the game, or if you're if you're at home, rewatch the game. Look at the DBs for Miami, Ohio, they were lining up in Ohio. So the fact that he was dinking and dunking wasn't because he can't throw deep. TBD's deep ball is the best part of his game. But he was – that was what was there. I mean, Jacoby George would turn around and, you know, be wide open because they were playing off him so much. Same with Tyler Harrell. So I think that is why you saw that game be that way. Uh, and look, at the end of the day, what was he? 17 to 22 with a dunk? Yeah. I mean – Again, take away the pick, and he was pretty much spot on. Um, so I got no problem with TVD at all from that game. Aside from physically, you want him to be instead of 90%, 100%, because Texas A&M is going to play a lot tighter with those DBs. Um, but anyway, so receiver, yeah. Colby Young, we talked about it again. I, I'm going to hype our podcast because I want more people to keep tuning in, but not to you know boost ourselves up, but just to boost the show up. But we've been saying it. Keep an eye on Kobe Young's speed. He lost weight. This is a guy who ran a 5-0 flat in high school. That's why he didn't get offers. That's why he went to JUCO. It wasn't a great deal. Now he's probably, I mean, I don't know what he's down to on the clock, but he's, he looks like 4-5, you know, as far as the ability to pull away. He's big. He's physical. He catches the ball with his hands. He can go up over guys and moss them. Um, I love Kobe Young. I think he's, you know, is he like a first-round, like Alabama, you know, Jalen Waddell, you know, Jamar Chase for LSU kind of guy or, or Ohio State kind of guy? No. But he could maybe be the next kind of category. He's just a very good college receiver. Um, I, I got one for you. Could he be like a Leonard Hankerson? Right. Great comp. For this, for this team? I, I think he can. No doubt. And, again, we talk about all time. The, the receivers that succeed in Miami, really everywhere, but particularly in Miami, they work. They're the workers. Hankerson's a coach now for the Niners. <laughs> you know, I mean, these are these are guys that don't play around with, the, with football. Alan Hearns was another guy who, who who developed you know throughout his career and became a go-to guy. KJ Osborne, the, the nobody recruit. Okay, um, all of these guys, Dorsett, they're all workers. So young as that, you see him with the body, and then also Restrepo. And I think Restrepo, you know, people underrate him because he's he's a you know five eight nine Colombian kid, but he catches. He had the one-handed catch on the sideline. 
which was outstanding. The two-point conversion, he catches the ball and does something after the play. So he's got that aspect to him as well. And then what I love about Restrepo is watching that blocking downfield um, on the on the Kobe touchdown and others. The guy's flying, flying downfield. Um, and- there was one. There was one play where he also worked back to TVD big time. Where there was you know there was some trouble. The offside. To- right? Right. That, that to me is, yeah. And he, and then he broke a tackle and got upfield, but the way he worked back to the ball, I don't know how many guys on this roster have the wherewithal to do that. And that's where that comfort level comes in. He's going to, he's, it's almost like how the tight end is used a lot as a, a safety blanket, right? Restrepo is that safety blanket for, for TVD. Right. And look, Mike M's going hard in the comments. I love it. I love the engagement. Um, You know, he's concerned about TVD again. We'll see next week. Micah's biggest concern with TVD is the physical because, again, they're going to challenge him. So we'll see on that. But, yeah, what you mentioned with Restrepo, that's the bond of being a, a, a roommate, right? That quarterback-friendly, you know, one-mind kind of deal where he knows I got to work back to the ball. DVD's running around. I know I just got to get myself available and he'll find me. So that's, that's what uh, – you know, that's what we like to see. Jacoby George had some nice bursts when he had the ball as well. Um, I, I think there were some positives to take away from him. For sure. And look, I think, again, Texas A&M, the guys I'm watching very close, Jacoby George and Tyler Harrell, who didn't play that much uh, yesterday. That's who you're going to need to really back up Texas A&M if they get those – because they got good corners. They got blue chippers. If they put them in your face, how are you going to make a pay for that? Harrell obviously can do that. We've seen him do it. Um and then Jacoby George has that talent. So those two guys, I think, are on the spot next week when it comes to playing against uh, Texas A&M. There was a, a couple of questions here about Ray Ray Joseph, 2D. Someone said he was MIA. Look, a lot of times it's like the, if he doesn't get the ball, he doesn't get the ball. He's going to be utilized in this offense throughout the season. Not everyone can have their you know, breakout game in game one. I'm not concerned about him whatsoever. He'll be, he'll be a really, really good one here. Yeah, and this is this is based on no info, and I'm saying that honestly, I really don't know. But I didn't see him in the first half, and then he started the second half, like he was on the first play of the second half. So sometimes that could be, you know, for some reason they held it out of the first half. Um, I don't want to speculate, but I thought it was interesting that he I didn't see him at all in the first half. Then he was there on the first play of the second half, so maybe it was by design. And uh, he's going to be a big part of the game plan. Don't worry about Ray Ray; he's going to get the ball in his hands next week and every week. Hi, Dan. We'll touch on uh, quick, quickly here, unless there's something else you want to talk about with the receivers, D. No, I want to talk about tight end. I want to talk about Cam McCormick. Um, you know, he's 30 years old or however old he is. Uh, he's in his like ninth year of college, Dr. McCormick. But um, the fact that he's not the dynamic Jeremy Shockey, Kellen Winslow type tight end, I think people were like, ah, whatever. But seeing how he, what he does as a blocker, to me, was eye-opening. And if you watched the game yesterday, watch when he's lead blocking on some of these plays. I mean, he is a weapon. We'll see how it translates against bigger defensive lines, the bigger deep, uh, linebackers, bigger bigger safeties. But, man, he was punishing my Ohio. Really a factor in that run game and a big reason why we were plowing up those holes. Watch 84 on those plays. So I thought he did great. Uh, Skinner didn't really play. Uh, Royal was out. And then Riley Williams, you know, who, again, is, who's missed a lot of time in practice because of minor injuries. Otherwise, I think he'd probably be closer to that first team. You saw the talent on that catch and run after from Emory Williams. 
It's funny because yesterday in the post-game uh, press conference, Mario was asked about the freshmen, and he said, look, these guys don't look like more freshmen. But then he also went out of his way to mention Cam McCormick and say what a veteran presence like him adds to the locker room. Um, and look, it's it's not going to be the sexiest, right? He, like you said, he's not going to be stretching the field um, as a receiver. But again, this is going to be more of a power spread with air raid elements to it. So um, his his contribution is going to be very big moving forward. But I, I think I asked you last live show, D, if that was a position you were concerned about moving forward just because you're looking to get some dynamic plays from that group and it could really unlock the offense, I think. Um, but a guy like Skinner, I don't I just don't know if they trust him just yet right now as a blocker. And then I mean, you see there were some inconsistencies with his hands, um, at least in that scrimmage that I was at. So I think he's a guy that has to gain the staff's trust moving forward. But he, I agree with all that, but he can make a big play. So he comes back, he catches one play against the Texas a and goes 40, changes the game, you know, and he, and he makes an impact that way. So I think it'll be quantity over quality – or sorry, quality over quantity with him. And he just needs to keep on working because Riley Williams is coming and he's going to be one more thing on Riley Williams. Go back and watch Don Chaney's touchdown and you'll see number 88, which is Williams make a beautiful block to spring Chaney for that touchdown. This guy's six, five, you know, good looking kid body wise. He's, he's not skinny and he gets stretched to field and he's a natural receiver and he can run out to the catch. He really can do everything as a receiver, similar to Arroyo. Maybe even more talented than Arroyo. Though, if you look at Arroyo healthy and then Riley Williams, you're talking about size, speed, coordination, natural receiver feel, hands, and then ability to run out to the catch, and then willingness to block. You know, those are two. About the the total package, Mallory had a lot, but Mallory didn't have the blocking part, the 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 the, the size part. You know, as far as the the strength, I think those two are probably the most complete talents at tight end we've had. In a while, offensive line, man, what a uh, what a sight to see! It's uh, we've all been talking about it, and everyone's kind of been waiting to see it in action, right? Against again, it'll be a different animal next week in an A and M, but we haven't seen a Miami offensive line dominate games against the likes of uh, we saw against Middle Tennessee State last year. What happened, right? I mean, this is a similar similar talent level team in Miami, Ohio, returning a lot of defensive starters, right? Obviously don't have the size that Miami has up front, but just a, a dominant effort for those guys and 250 yards rushing. So that, I mean, they get to me, they get a game ball as they'll get a few more this year as well. Yeah, that's the, that's to me story one, two, three of this game is the offensive line. And we said it all, all, all camp and all offseason is, you know, basically the first play when you guys are seeing this offensive line for the first time, you know, it's not going to take an NFL scout to figure out what's going on up there. These guys are huge. They can move. Um, I don't know if anybody's noticed, but we had a seven offensive line formation with Samson Okanlola wearing, I think it was 86. And then McCoy, who played a lot of tight end, was 81. So we had seven offensive linemen at, at the same time. I mean, I got to be honest with you, that, that did something for me. To see all those offensive linemen <laughs> at the same time, I'm gonna tell my wife to gain 60 pounds. I don't know my chemistry, my brain chemistry has changed after seeing that uh, that formation. <laughs> but um, dude, I, that was McCoy was awesome. Well, go watch 81 on some of these highlights, man. He's killing people. Um, you know, Samson's there, and then 
go down the line. Rivers flying in front on the on the Kobe Young touchdown mm-hmm. with an athletic um Cohen doing his thing. Matt Lee really doing some nice things in space. Massive upgrade there. Uh, Inez Cooper on the Mark Fletcher touchdown running. I mean, you see he looks more athletic, still a mauler. And then Malgo, what can you say? Uh, it's just a beautiful thing on the offensive line. And you know, one note I want to I want to point out. So Ja'Kai Clark, who, you know, great cane, day one starter, really helped out the program tremendously by, by filling in holes that otherwise would have been like disasters, right? So all the respect in the world to Ja'Kai Clark for what he did for this program. He started a ton of football games in the ACC, but he is now a second string at, at Southern Methodist. So when that guy's pretty much a day one starter as a true freshman for Miami, and then now we're talking about just from a size standpoint, an athletic standpoint, a different category all across the board, it's a big difference. Last year we had, I want to say, four guys that were 6'3 or under playing a lot between Seymour, you know, Justice, Sagapola, uh, Scaife. I mean, they were s- smaller guys at the same time. And um, you don't see that now, man. These guys are big boys. And you've got extra ones playing tight end. Shout out to the 312 people on here right now, D. I think this might be a record uh, that we've had live. So appreciate everyone's support. We're going to keep bringing you this content all season long. Um, I know the, the post-game stuff is always is always big. Hit that like button. Subscribe if you not if you aren't subscribed already. I'll put my guy, uh, my guy John, up here with the uh, with the comment. Appreciate that, John. Yeah, let's get the plugs in real quick while we're there. Yeah, like and subscribe. Check out Canes.insight on Instagram. Uh, Pete's been uploading that. Check out some of our old pods. I got my hype pod. Usually it goes obsolete after one game, so it's still it's still uh, it's still valid uh, right now. So check out that hype pod. Um, Canes inside my shopify.com. I saw some Canes inside shirts yesterday at the stadium. Appreciated everybody that came out and, and, and showed love. A lot of people in the community said hi, which was awesome. Um, you know, I was out there. Uh, you can come find me, man. I'm in the club two fifteen. You can come find me. Um, I'm around. So it was good to see everybody. And, uh, yeah, I really appreciate the support. It was, uh, it was good vibes out there for sure. Offensive line before we move on. Okay. Grady. Oh, wants to know about kid merchandise. Yeah, we can do that for sure. Put a note on that. Um, one guy I want to mention on offensive line, Logan Sacapolo. So I mentioned him earlier that he's, you know, he's the one guy, the top eight, because there's eight guys that are really, to me, the offensive line this year, which is the starters, Samson, McCoy, and then Sacapolo. Sacapolo is the only one that's not, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, really. But he's a he's huge. He's wide. And if you go watch Cheney's touchdown, Sagapolo pushed the guy basically into the end zone. His strength is outrageous, and he had a great camp. So keep an eye on him as someone who's getting better. Um, oh, Sean Andrews, shout out from Thailand. Look at that man, Thailand. We had someone. We had someone uh, from Africa as well. Oh, there we go. So, and we got Arabian Night. I don't know if he's in. I don't know if he's in Saudi right now, but shout hey. out to my Saudis. Yeah, yeah, man. Listen, it's worldwide out here. Um, it's, it's definitely worldwide. If you see any recruits in the area, any guys, any 6'6", 300-pound you know, soccer players, text it, text it to Kane's inside. We'll pass it on to Crystal Ball because that offensive line is uh, is cooking. Um, recruiting- e, I wanna, so, yeah, I was going to ask you about recruiting because we've had a few questions here about, about that. Anything from last night? And, I mean, look, is there anything imminent either? 
I haven't gotten my update yet, so I'm not going to speculate on recruiting. I, I like to get it fresh and, you know, I'll give it to you when I get it. Um, one thing I didn't notice last night was our, our guys playing, right? Our commits. So Elijah Lofton had four touchdowns, I believe, against Miami Central for Bishop Gorman in a game Bishop Gorman squeaked out. This guy was catching, running. One of the best football players in the country that comes from Miami, and I second that. The guy can block, he can play defense, he can catch, he can run. Love Elijah Lofton. Yeah, he's a 6'1, 6'2 tight end. But the guy can play ball and is a stud football player. Um, one other interesting thing, and I got some little bit of info on this one, Judd Anderson. So Judd Anderson uh, transferred to Warner Robbins from Jones. Um, my understanding of that situation is this. There was, a, you know, and from the Judd camp's perspective, and look, is quarterback transferring a good look? You know, if you're asking me personally, no. But we'll leave that aside. What I understand is the – the coaches basically said, Judd, you're the guy. And they brought in some young guy to kind of be a, a dual threat and, and have a, a package and a role. And I think there was some loss of trust from Judd's family and the coaching staff. So they were looking to transfer. The last game Judd played, he lit up whoever they played. Um, the highlights are on YouTube. And he lit him up. Two touchdowns running, two touchdowns passing. So they were like, please, man, we're, we're going to bench the, the other kid. You're going to be the starter hands down. Don't even worry about this other kid, but the trust was already breached. So Judd went to uh, Warner Robbins. And what's interesting about it is, so Judd played the, the first, so Judd played Buford to start the season. Then he played this team Northside. And a lot of Canes fans were concerned, me included, because he like he he had he laid an egg against Northside. I think he had like 50 yards passing a, a pick. And people were seeing Sikowski all over again, or Jack Allison. He went to uh Warner Robbins basically like on Monday, he had like two practices. Then he's playing the same Northside team that he got crushed on with a lesser supporting cast. Um, comes in a game down 21-5 and leads him back to the win and plays very, very well. The highlights are on the canesinsight.com. Sign up for the forums if you're not on there. So that's the kind of thing you want to see from Judd. And I'm very interested to see how the season ends with him because he looked very good yesterday. He looked good last week as well. And uh, he's on a good team now. They're going to play good competition. If you're trying to scout Judd, you're going to get a good look at him because he's got good players around him, no excuses there, and he's got good players against him. So that's going to be interesting to see. Look at uh, Martin Dube, uh, Dube, Dube um, saying he had a six foot six, 220-pound rugby player who ran 10-5, but Manny and Mark Rick never applied. Listen, the next one that comes along like that, and he's coming live from Botswana, Next one that comes around like that, send it to me. We'll, we'll, we'll move that along. We saw that rugby player for Philadelphia Eagles uh, starting left tackle. So we're not going to let that mistake happen again. Cristobal. Well, my, Miami, Miami has uh, Frankie Tinelau, kind of a similar, uh, you know, he played, he played out there in, in New Zealand, uh, Australia. I forget what, where, where exactly he's from, but he was a guy who played rugby. And, you know, we'll see him over the next couple of years at Miami for sure. Yeah. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, and I'll, I'll go back to the conversation I had with a scout yesterday. Who is a scout who who is a state of Florida guy, so he sees all the schools in the state of Florida, and he's been at Miami, he's been at Florida. He said, "I Florida when I went there impressed me size wise, but he was at the game against Utah the other day. He said they didn't have much twitch, much burst on the defense side of the ball. He said Miami though." has guys all over who can run. We've seen concerns about them not having a behemoth on the inside, right? But obviously, no issues last night against Miami of Ohio. And 
guy like KJ Cloyd was mentioned to me as someone who this scout said, look, that kid's got a shot. I didn't know much about him before I went in there, but he's big and he can fly around. He had a tackle for loss last night. Talk about that front seven a little bit and what you saw from them. Again, just nice to play a team that's not able to just get up and down the field with ease, not playing necessarily bend, don't break defense, but great on third down last night and just keeping things in front of them, really. Yeah, and uh, tackling when the tackle was there to be made. I thought the defense was outstanding. Just KJ Cloyd, since you mentioned him, what was the comp we had for him on on the pod, which is uh, Adrian Colbert, which is a guy who did not produce for whatever reason at his previous program, size, speed, gets here. You look at him, you say, what are we missing? (laughs) You know, this guy looks good. Um, and then he gets drafted as and still bouncing around the NFL. So Cloyd, I think, has some of that size speed to him. Uh, shout out to Krivy on uh, right there in the comments. So um, you know, I think Cloyd has some of that size speed. But defensively, when you're talking about five, 51 rushing yards, 2.0 yards a carry, uh, and then the passing game completely stifled. You can't say more about that. I thought it was a good matchup for Miami because, like you mentioned, we have a lot of twitch and, and athleticism up front with Taylor, Dean, even a guy like Thomas Gore. Um, so, you know, with those guys, they're not going to get challenged size wise as much in the game like this. Although my Ohio's offensive line is not small, but you know, it's a Mac team. So they're not going to get exposed on some of that stuff like they would against some of the bigger teams. Uh, but that allowed their talents to shine as far as being quick, explosive and making plays. They did that. And, uh, you know, I agree that, uh, that Moten looked good. Uh, Kirby mentioned that on, on the comments right now. And I thought linebacker in general, we've been talking about that. You know, for again, just like the offensive line, story number one, offensive line is going to look different physically. Story number two, linebacker is going to look different physically. And I think we saw that last night. Yeah, Kiko Malagoa, the leading tackler, his ability to get sideline to sideline. Scout told me he's a guy who has a chance to be a day three pick this year. Could come back, which I think is a, is a, possibility obviously we're only one game into the season but that would be a big boost uh for next year's team as well um anyone from anyone else in the defensive line stick out Jafari Harvey had that sack I believe on the first uh possession of the game to close out that series um but anyone that you, else you want to highlight there from the front four sure Jared Harrison Hunt did some nice things um as far as the front four you know that I want those are the guys that jump out to me um, linebacker wise, Malagoa, you know, one thing about him is this guy was a high school quarterback, high school receiver, a guy like Shaq Quarterman, who was our best linebacker recent years. He was just as good as a freshman as he was as a senior. And that was really good. I'm not, I mean, all conference good, but he came in ready. I think Malagoa has some upside because he was an offensive player. So he's kind of growing into the position and getting better and better. He's an athlete. He's got body. I thought his instincts yesterday were outstanding pass and run. Um, you know, one play was I noticed he just was he had his eye on the QB the whole time for the run, the whole run pass option when the quarterback got out of the pocket, stayed stayed steady, uh, great eyes, great awareness. And then when the quarterback finally did decide to, to, to try to throw, he came in and didn't go for the kill shot that might have gotten a 15 yarder. He just disrupted the throw with a nice uh, a nice hit, physical hit that was clean and safe and, you know, not going to get a penalty. So just a s- smart player, aware player, size and speed. Uh, on him. So, um, well, you know, watch out that. I also want to shout out Bobby Washington 
He yep. had that tackle at the end to kind of win the game. Farron Crawford mentioned freshman linebackers look good. They did. And I think Bobby, if you just ask me who's the most talented guy up front, hands down, I would say Bobby Washington. On talent, the guy runs 4-4. Four, four. He, he makes plays. Sometimes he doesn't know what he's doing to make the play, but he'll get to the ball. And if he can just lock in, do the right things and stay stay healthy and, and do the right, you know, and just be on point. NFL is in his future. If there's ifs there, but he just the talent wise, awesome. A lot of comments too about Nigel Lee Kelly uh, in coverage. With twice I saw him drop back. Did that a lot in camp. That position with a Harvey can do that too. Cyrus Moss can do that too. That's an interesting position where you really showcase the versatility of, of your small, you know, skinnier pass rushers. People forget he was 17 years old when he enrolled at Miami and played last year, I believe, all season long as an 18 year old. So. That's a, that's a position where it takes some time, man. I mean, he's got all the ability in the world, but it's going to be very interesting to see how Coach Gidry continues to use him moving forward. I think he's a guy that everyone should be very, very excited about. And then, the, listen, there's a lot of young guys behind him who can definitely, uh, you know, make some impacts moving forward. But great start for that group yesterday uh, as a whole. Moving to the defensive back room, the lot of rotation there, as, as we knew there would be, especially at cornerback. Um, what are your thoughts from what you saw there? I mean, Miami, Ohio, I guess, started moving the ball late a bit, but could also be the, uh, the scheme kind of loosening up a bit. Yeah, I would say from the depth chart standpoint, the only surprise I had was that Devontae Brown didn't start because Devontae Brown started all at camp. I mean, he was the corner. Everybody else rotated, but Devontae Brown, number seven, started all at camp. So I'm not sure why he didn't start. And Coach Cristobal even mentioned it recently that he was locked down as 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 a starter as well. Yeah, so, so I, I don't have any info on that. You know, who knows? I think certainly going to see a lot of him next week, and he did play. But that was the only surprise I had depth chart-wise based on what they showed in the other uh, practices and stuff. But, you know, I thought, you know, agree with Kribbe in the comments. Daryl Porter played well. Jaden Davis played well. You know, Demario Brown – that was a tough catch. He had coverage, but he'll learn. You know, that's part of part of the thing I finish. Um, Jadis Richard played in the second half at corner. So, you know, I think that group is going to continue to rotate and the best man will play. Um, it's going to be about – it's that group of Brown brothers, Porter, Couch, Davis, Richard. Mix them up and, and they'll be in there somewhere. D, just to go back real quick because we didn't mention Leonard Taylor – uh, as Champ 100 talks about, obviously, his unsportsmanlike penalty, which, again, go go to the post-game press conference. Coach Criswell was not happy about that uh, at all. But he did go back and say he's still playing at a very, very high level. So that's a learning experience for him. I think that's part of the maturity that we need to continue to see from him. But make no mistake about it. He's going to be an impact guy for this team. Yeah, I want to make a prediction. If you ask, like, an off-the-wall prediction – I really think at one point this season, he's going to take the handoff, you know, like or at least disrupt it. So they drop the ball at the mesh point. I mean, this guy is so quick, so smooth and, and fluid and, and so hard to block. And he's gotten bigger. He had a great, great camp. I think Cristobal, you know, again, he's down on him for the, for the penalty, which was, you know, a dumb penalty. But a lot of the inconsistencies that we saw his first two years, again, 18, 19 year old D tackle. That's not unusual. He made a lot of plays too. But the consistency has improved. The size has improved. And I think if he stays healthy, you're looking at a first-round season from him. 
he's based on what he's shown to this point. And he was, when he was in yesterday, you mean he looked, he looked the part. We have another comment here about uh, Burroughs from Bama, uh, you know, asking if he's going to be able to play this year. I, I, from what we understand, he's not going to be eligible this year. Am I correct? D? Yeah. I made a post on the, on the I forums, uh, speaking of sources. I think we're the first people to talk about all that stuff. Um, he's going to most likely red shirt, just because they don't want to go. I mean, to go for a waiver at this time is tricky. Probably not going to get it the way waivers are going. Um, also, you get him around the year. It's basically like getting an elite portal kid next year with a year in your system. You know, it's huge because we need him next year. We lose probably Taylor, Dean, Lichtenstein, Gore, you know, Harrison Hunt, maybe. That's a lot of guys to lose. So we need him next year more than this year. Um, and uh, he's also a walk on, which is interesting. He's not getting scholarship yet. I see uh, Arabian Nights saying, unblock me from the forum. Uh, PM me. PM me. I'll, 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 I'll let, let <laughs> let's see what the charges were. <laughs> um, question here as we go back to defensive back and safety in particular, because we already kind of went through corner. Comment about James Williams here. To me, he's almost like an LT for that position where you need to see some consistency um, overall from him because you want him to be that Swiss Army knife for the defense. Um, but it's, it, he's got to show it on the field. Yeah. And he has some nice things. He had a couple of nice tackles, a special teams tackle. He had a pressure that led to an incomplete early in the game. I think that's to me going to be interesting next week because there's, they're going to save some of the exotic stuff, obviously for Texas A&M. And the center of that is James Williams because of his ability to be six, five, you know, the thing about James Williams that I'll say is, he does a lot of stuff that you don't even notice because of his size. I think that's why his PFF grade is so high relative to kind of how the eye test looks with him because he's 6'5". So just his length in an area makes it hard to pass there. So you might not see the pass thrown because his presence is so unique with his length, being able to be fluid and instinctive as a DB. How do you pass around him? And then, of course, as a pass rush, even if it doesn't get the sack, you can't really throw over him. He's hard to elude that, you know, that size makes a difference, even if it doesn't show up in the stat sheet. So I think next week, the stuff he does in coverage, the stuff he does bringing pressure, the creativity that Gidry is going to use him with. That's one of my, we'll talk about Texas A&M plenty, but that's one of the things I got circled is keep an eye on that one. Appreciate everyone on the live right now. We got 374 viewers right now. Hit that like button, subscribe if you are not already. And canesinsight.com, man, if you don't have an account on there, it's completely free. There's no reason not to be signed up. Join the discussion on the forums. We'd love to have you. Hopefully you don't get banned like Arabian Night, but we'll, we'll look into that for you. <laughs> yeah, and again, Titanic is going to roll in all season. Um, I'll be there on the road games, you know, say what's up. Pete's there pretty much all the time uh, saying what's up. Yeah, I up. think I'll be, I'll be at the A&M game next week, but uh, – well, look, listen, make, not everybody's going to have – that's going to be a hot ticket. Yeah. Not everybody's going to be able to afford it or, or just have the opportunity to go for whatever reason. Titanic's – if you can't make the game, Titanic's where you want to be. Food, um, you know, just the general the general atmosphere, the location right on campus. It's going to be a lot of fun for anyone who can't make the game. Cribby with a, a good comment here about the defense, man. I mean, that's, that's Gidry's calling card. He's going to disguise a lot of stuff. Reminds me of old school Rex Ryan. What, what he would do uh, up front, you re- you never really know, like it, like uh, Kirby says here, where the blitzes are coming from. And that's where 
you're able to drop a guy like a Nigel Lee Kelly, a guy like a Cyrus Moss who, yes, needs to continue to add weight. I don't know if he's ever going to be that 260-pound player, but you're going to be able to do a lot of different things with body types like that. No doubt. And, you know, I know there's a lot of comparisons to Manny with the idea that Gidry's better than Manny, and he probably will see he could be. But, I mean, I actually kind of like Manny. You know, as far as defensive coordinator, you look at Penn State, they were a top 10 defense. So I think what you have is that style of defense with players that Crystal Ball recruited and brought in through the portal. Manny really let the recruiting slip in the front seven and DB. Um, so you saw a drop off in talent and then the system looked real bad when the players couldn't execute. Now I think you got an aggressive system, maybe a few more guardrails uh, than what Manny had with Gidry as far as you know, not being too exposed if they if they do avoid the the pressure. At the same time, the talent is 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 way upgraded. By the way, great comment here. I want to point to your direction, uh, Pete from um, Kane Grad 08. He's asking, is there going to be Titanic for Kane's men's basketball? I think you can answer. It's that always the Titanic's always a spot for Kane's basketball. I mean, definitely before the games. I mean, the the home games. It's it gets pretty uh, crazy the first you know the couple hours leading up to. Uh, to tip off. So uh, Titanic's always the classic spot for pre home games, you know, after the game, you know, those, those Saturday afternoon, big wins. So listen, we have, we're going to have this, this partnership with Titanic, hopefully long-term um, and definitely, you know, basketball season's right around the corner. So uh, the hype's already building there, but definitely want to make it a, the, the fortress for, for football as well. Yeah, um, no, 100% by the way, but just on the basketball while we're there, that's coming. There'll be time to discuss, but Kane's inside. You're going to get – we had good coverage last year. It's going to be out, you know, off the charts this year because we got Pete back full-time, locked and loaded, and you know, Pete's been you – know, I go back to the Marcus Barnes era and before that, so I'm a big basketball fan myself, but Pete's like next level, travels with the team. I mean, season ticket holder since what, since you were born, right? Yeah, yeah. since, since, since the, uh, the convocation center. You know, My dad and I have been going to games, so – so, you know, no one's more equipped to handle basketball than Pete. And we're going to up the content a lot when it comes to basketball. Nobody's touching us in basketball um, or baseball, really. And it's, it, that's all going to crank up. Um, you know, a lot of we're going to, you know, ha- have great baseball guests too. Yahavi Salas is of the world. Harold Martinez. We're going to bring those guys on and, uh, and have some fun. But, um, yeah, we're not just all football. We're going to be really cranking it up across the board. A few few more things here before we wrap it up. Almost almost at the eleven o'clock hour here. And you tell me when you're done because I can I can roll for a minute too. You know. Um, yeah. I, no. I I, I got the I, I got the kids here and my wife's at Pilates, so I got nothing to do. Uh, so question here from Justin Green: Is the goal to redshirt both Jakari and Emery? I'll let you answer that. I don't know how realistic that is to have you know only one one quarterback throughout the season. Obviously, if he only plays you know he plays four games or less than that that can happen um but what what are your thoughts on that you see your boy george out here trying to show I, off i, I see it with dr j man uh, he, he's Kane's trying to insight legend man yeah my brother-in-law is trying to he's been at the gym you know so he's like strategically trying to get the his shirt you know trying to show off for everybody um but uh anyways uh i don't look four games and then you register so the rules better you're not going to see the i mean pray to god tbd stays healthy the whole year so you only see the backup quarterback and blowouts so maybe you can redshirt them both. I think with Jakari, definitely the goal is to redshirt him. But at the same time, you want to use his four games like to 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 help your first team offense. 
So it'd be nice to have in a perfect world. TBD stays healthy all year. Uh, Emery plays four games like he did yesterday. So three more in blowouts. Um, Bethune is going to be one of them. So two games. Um, and then Jakari is comes in and packages for four games without using the red shirt. And you can do that. I'm talking about against Clemson, against FSU. You know, when you really need some everything you got, that's where you might see a Jakari because we preserve his red shirt, but make sure his four games are impactful and not just, you know, running around Bethune. I think that's kind of the goal with Jakari. It's going to be interesting to see if he plays against Bethune because I think he wants to redshirt. So I'm curious as to how that's going to go. Couple things here. Well, something else I wanted to promote, D. If you guys have not checked out already, Steve Kim's weekly write-up on the site. Uh, he always, you know, Steve Kim K nine Kane, as as many of you know him as he was on our live show last week. He's a Canes football historian, uh, so he always is able to put things in perspective very well. And he already has a, a write-up on the site. You can check that out. It's on the front page of the website. We tweeted it out and all that as well. Um, Arabian Knight, our boy here, since he's not on the forums, we got to get him, got to get his questions in here. Talking about Ed O, I mean, Ed O's everywhere. I don't think he, I think he's happy with his current setup. D, I think, you know, he kind of likes the freedom of being able to live his life and still be around the game. Uh, you know, I don't know how much input he's, he's giving this staff, but I think, I think he's probably happy with his current setup right now. Yeah. I mean, he's getting paid. So I don't know how his, uh, how his contract goes, but I wouldn't expect anything until the, the, the free paychecks stop. Um, and once he has to work to get paid, the fits there is his son's already here. He loves Miami. He's been here before. Um, that, you know, sounds like he likes, he's still around. So whatever happened last year, didn't run him off. Um, so I think he's, you know, definitely someone who could be a, a factor here and would be an awesome fit. And hopefully he's got some five stars to coach. Let's see. I guess got a few more questions in here. Uh, Arabian Night, I'll, I'll give you another go. You're asking about is there a su- succession plan when Jim Laranega retires? I, keep your eye on Coach Chris Caputo at, at, at George Washington. You know, he's for a long time was rumored to be, uh, you know, the kind of the head coach in waiting. He, co- Miami's had a few guys going and coach elsewhere, but. If he does, if he succeeds at George Washington, like I, I expect him to, um, you know, I know he still has some good relationships with people in the athletic department. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him kind of be the guy if, if all goes well for him up there. Look at that. That's what I'm talking about. Basketball scoop. Pete is the guy to talk to, man. He He's in there. He's plugged. So uh, we're going to hit that hard. And, you know, there's no reason why we can't have three teams playing great this year. Todd Jones with a good comment here. There was a lot of a lot of questions about special teams, right? D and look, there's there's only so much to say about about the kicker and punter. I think Borgales is one of the best in the country. I think he has a chance to be a be a pro. Well, he has a, a huge leg, and then new punter. Obviously, you're, you're you're replacing a pro and Lou Headley, who obviously won the starting job for the Saints. So good good week one for for both of those guys. Yeah, no. Special teams was good last year, so you want to keep that. That was the only thing that was good last year, so you want to keep that going. Um, I thought, yeah, the punter looked good, Joyce, uh, and then Borgales, you know, he's he's one of the best kickers in the country, so you would like to see him win the Groza, right? Why not? 
Um, like his brother. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the talent to do it. So, you know, let's, let's, let's see what he can do, man. I'm, I'm excited to watch him. I, Cause again, you know, that was my Ohio. They won by 35. What happens against Texas A&M when you really need a 50 yard field goal? That might be, you know, a zero point situation that becomes a three point situation. He can do that kind of thing. So that's, that will come into play. Eric Savol, Savoli with a uh, question here, which we've kind of touched on. Do you believe Dawson was holding back or was TVD just not 100% with the finger? Look, I think they they did what they had to do to win that game handily last night, and that was run the ball. Obviously, they weren't throwing it downfield too much, but D, what's your what's your thoughts on that? I think the finger probably definitely had something to do with it. Yeah, I, think, I think both. I think, he was, I think it's three things. So Eric, Eric hit it as far as, Dawson was holding back. TVD probably was not 100% yet. Still got time. And then number three, Miami, uh, Ohio was playing off by a mile. I'm, I'm pulling up Miami, Ohio stats last year against the pass. I don't think that Miami, Ohio had a lot of faith in their defensive backs uh, against Miami. So if you look at passing defense, look at this is what, the stat I look for in passing defense is opposing passing yards per attempt. So basically, like every time they drop back to pass, how many yards they get, that factors in explosive plays and completions, et cetera. Uh, just over, that's basically like defensive pass efficiency. We sucked at it last year. Miami did, uh, which was something that needed to change much better yesterday. But if I'm looking at Miami, Ohio last year, they were like, where they rank in this stat? Eh, they weren't that bad. They were in the, in the late 40s. But, for, but, they but to your point, to have a lot of faith. Well, Chuck Martin, the Miami, Ohio head coach, in his press conference last week before this game, right in the Miami Hurricanes press con- lead-up press conference, he kept saying how he was worried about how the DBs were going to cover the wide receivers of Miami. So he w- he wasn't even talking about the run game because, like again, they're basing what they see a lot of it off of last year. And obviously the offensive line was not a strong suit of the team. So like you mentioned, they were – they were playing 10 yards off, seven to 10 yards off consistently. Yeah. So that takes away the vertical. You take what you can get. That's why TVD had such a high completion percentage and Emory. Cause you just, you know, you got that, that uh, when you're playing that far off, there's easy passes to be had short. They kind of went to it with those stop routes and everything else. So um, game plan, I think played a lot to played a lot with that as well. So Texas is going to be a whole different animal because they're going to challenge the receivers. They're going to challenge TVD with his arm. Again, he has the arm, but you know, the health of him and they're going to challenge Dawson to throw it deep. That's why you get a Tyler Harrell. That's why you, you, you coach up a Jacoby George because they bring that element. So I think next week you're going to really see what this vertical passing game can or cannot do. Wrapping things up, D, it's going to be a, a big week on the site. A&M. We're going to get you your pre game, not pre game, but I guess you could say the preview podcast early in the week, right? Got the live show on Thursday as we do every week. And I have, I'm going to get an AM writer reporter on this week as well. So we'll get some insight from them should be very interesting. And look, this is a, a team that Miami battled with on the road last year when they obviously did not have the horses. It was a very, very ugly game from an offensive perspective. I know you were, you were there last year um but it should be a great turnout the energy should be i mean i don't i don't know the last hyped up non-conference home game like this i mean going back to when i guess notre dame even though it's not really a non-conference game yeah i mean look last year 
was a very important game for Cristobal and they lost. Um, held a better affront than I think I expected given what happened after that game. You know, they had, they had run the ball against Texas A&M and the front looked pretty good on defense too. Just, you know, the offense uh, was a preview of what we would see the rest of the year. But yeah, that was a big game last year, but different team than we were taking to the, you know, the college station. So now to see a, a good talent-wise Miami team because of a year of talent acquisition aggressively, then you got a coming off a good win. So the, the people are going to be pretty excited. Um, that is going to be a very, very important game. I think Notre Dame's a good comparison or VTech, um, you know, Florida back in 2013. Oh, it's um, 10 years ago now at this point. Yeah, man, it's crazy. So uh, we'll see. But I think it's gonna be a good atmosphere. Obviously, we're gonna be locked in all week on the podcast and the boards. You know, giving you giving you uh, information, and um, you know, we'll see where it all goes, man. Looking forward to it. And look, we're gonna keep keep these post game. We'll probably do one. Uh, I'll definitely be on it next week. Do do a live post game reaction thing after the A and M game. Obviously, it's what a three thirty game next week. So have something uh, when the game wraps. Hopefully, we'll have it'll be a joyous. A, jo- a joyous live show. Um, if not, then the comments. Listen, man, we're, the comments are already getting ugly, man. And we're <laughs> and this is coming off a thirty-eight to three win against Miami, Ohio. And look, Coach Cristobal said it himself: solid win last night. There's work to do. Everyone, everyone understands that beating Miami, Ohio, is not going to define the season. But whole lot better talking about a win like this than, first of all, losing a game like you did last year against Middle Tennessee State. Second of all. It, it wasn't a uh, slugfest. This was a uh, this was a, a nice, clean win for them. Yeah, no, it was beautiful. And, uh, yeah, excited, man. Excited just to take it to the next level. Hopefully, we get more performances like that. Again, you got the watch parties at Titanic. We got these streams, podcasts. I mean, I'm sorry if we're not that professional. I got, like, sippy cups in the background. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, uh, kids we're are playing. Fa- we're fake media, man. What, what can we say? Yeah, exactly. Shit. I don't want, you know, yeah, we're not media. We are Canes fans with, with podcasts and, uh, you know, happen to have, um, you know, inside information and, uh, and, and a great community around us. So we do what we do. Um, I got to work on the background here. Yeah. My wife's been yelling at me cause she says, he's like, how do you not get the couch nice before you go on the podcast? You know, but we got, you know, we got to, we're busy out here. We got to just make sure we plug in at the right time when people can tune in. Appreciate everybody on the stream. Um, it's going to be a lot. And we're going to actually, we're, we just, I just bought a bunch of stuff for the new studio, which we're going to actually take some time and make it right uh, with a real setup. So looking forward to that. If you haven't seen the hype podcast that I dropped uh, before this game, it, it translates to the Texas A&M game. It's, it has not gone out of date yet. You know, I remember the Alabama or Florida, I dropped these podcasts. I felt I was like the man, you know, and then like a week later, I can't even listen to it anymore because everything turned out to be a lie. Uh, we're still on the true side right now with the with the hype pod so if you haven't seen it check it out like and subscribe well canes fans appreciate everyone for tuning in this morning it's nice to watch college football when your team already has the win for the week everyone can enjoy this saturday and then tomorrow night should be a game that all canes fans are watching closely lsu and florida state florida state wins that one it will uh be a good thing i think for for the acc um but I know many Canes fans will be rooting hard against them. And uh, it looks like B, you'll be doing the same. Yeah, let, let North Carolina get our credibility to, tonight. And then FSU can you know do whatever they want with it tomorrow and make us look bad. I don't care. 
you know, I'm worried about it because LSU's got some guys out. Uh, what's that link, Pete? This is your hype pod. I don't know why it's not. You, you oh, that's all right. I could just it, copy but... and paste that from the from the comments yeah. and put it in. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I'll be cheering hard if you can get if you can get a Miami win, a Florida loss, a very uninspiring Florida loss. They look horrible. Their talent sucks. Um, a Florida loss, Miami win, and then an FSU win and or FSU loss and no injuries. That's a hell of a weekend. So go go Tigers tomorrow and uh, go Canes every day. All right, Canes fans, appreciate you all for joining us this morning. Enjoy your Saturday. Enjoy your weekend. Go Canes.